Welcome to the Your Mom Has a Blog podcast. I'm Chad Edgington. I'm Melissa Edgington. Yo, she's the blogger, y'all. It's good to be here with you. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kind of the sidekick on the blog podcast. I don't write a blog. But today I wrote a little something on Facebook. Did you read it? Um, I skimmed it. (laughs) You, You skimmed it? And you get mad at me for skimming? Well, it was about politics. It was not. It was about Jesus, and you skimmed it. I'm hearing little noises. Are you hearing little noises? Yeah, what is that? I don't know. It's kind of gone away now. So I've re-plugged in every part of our home podcasting studio. Yes. Because of the carpet. But aren't you glad the church just did us a solid and got us... Brand new carpet in our living room and our three bedrooms. <laughs> in our living room, bedroom, dinette. You want it. We got it at the market. Flea market. Montgomery. It's, it's just, just like, like a mini mall. A mini mall. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, we, we had our. I, I feel like. We're, so, uh, pardon me, folks. Let me adjust something really quick. Yeah, here we go. I'm going to turn down just a little bit. Is that better? Um, I feel like that's going to give us a much better waveform. That was turned down a little bit. I'm so relieved. Yeah. So we had to reset everything in the house. but um, So we got brand new carpet, and we our, our old carpet was pretty worn out. Mm-hmm. And um, so the thing is, when you get new carpet while you're living in the house... Then you have to move everything out of the rooms where you're getting carpet. And uh, these carpet guys did the big furniture, but but you know, the we, problem. And if you just did that for one day, it's not that big of a deal. The yeah. problem was a little issue issue that somebody did not order enough carpet when mm-hmm. at the carpet place, and so they came out did two rooms. Mm-hmm. And then five days later, they came and did the other the two. two so we have been living for the last week with, when we look like we belong on an episode of Hoarders, we've mm. had stuff piled all in the dining room and all in the But it, But it was pleasant room. to go into the kids' rooms when there was, you know, when, when all their stuff was in the kitchen. It seemed really nice in there and totally uncluttered. You didn't feel that way? Yeah, it was nice in there. It was nice. The rest of the house had issues. Yeah, that was bad. Thankfully, today we got all of the kids' things put back in their rooms, and the rest of the house feels much happier. Oh, yeah. Oh, it's so great. Yeah, I came back. I came home the other day, you know, and these guys are standing in the, in the house, and uh, the guy says, uh, he called me senior, which that was the first time I've ever been called senior. Really? Did it feel yeah, good? Yeah, it feels awesome, because senior feels more honorable than sir to me. Huh. I guess because it's got like an extra, it's got ny in it, and it's like almost two syllables. Is that yeah. does that be what what it is that I like about it? Because it's got ny in it. Yes, he said, "Senor, you need way more than forty yards to do this room." And I was like, "Okay, I don't know anything about carpet, so <laughs> I don't know how many yards it takes to do a room." He looked at me like like it, like it was like I had ordered the carpet and I made a huge mistake. <laughs> Senior, he was telling me, he's like, Senior, this this is going to take at least 80 yards of carpet to do all the bedrooms. And I said, okay, well, do we need to call your boss or what do we need to do? 
And so we got his guy on the phone, and uh, and there had just been a mix-up. It was, I don't know exactly what happened, but um, they did a good job. And uh, they work fast, don't they? Yeah, and These I love the fact that they move the furniture. And they, they don't waste time. They get after it. We've got some big furniture that was yeah. not going to be fun and to move. And they did it, and it's not broken. And yeah. Excellent job. So, gracias, dudes. And I'd, I'd uh, seen those guys. They've done some work up the church, too. They're good, good hard-working uh, laborers. So now we have brand new carpet. And, I mean, I hope that we're up to the challenge of brand new carpet. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to scare the kids, you know, sufficiently. Like, yeah. do not bring a drink in here. Do not eat on this. And they do, they've done pretty well about not eating on that new couch. You know, yeah. they, they've scared, they're scared of that. Mm-hmm. I hope they're scared of me. Uh, see what's going to happen if they start eating in here uh, on they this new carpet. They won't start eating. No, in I don't here. think they will. I think they've. We, I think they're old enough now to where they they all get it. You know. So. Man, I, kids get so much easier. Yeah, they do get easier, but we never ate on a couch growing up. The food was in the kitchen. So I don't know where know. they developed you, you this. Have, you have to- Do you know how many times you've told me that? Yeah, I'm just saying. I just want to get it out there on the record. Betty and Chuck did not let us eat in At the Clark House, we snacked in the living room. Yeah, and you also said the word B-U-T-T. You're telling me that you never ate popcorn while you were watching TV. No, we weren't allowed to. It was a rule. I wonder if... The Betty, rest of your family remembers Betty it that back me way. up on that. I'm sure that one, I'll tell you one thing, though. They probably have no recollection of it. Because by the time I knew Betty, we were eating it shrimp was, in the living room. Anything, I mean, it was yeah. no problem. I would, I would come home from college and be like, who are these people? <laughs> the people that raised my sister were not the people who raised me. <laughs> totally true. Chad's sister's nine years younger yeah, than him. She would talk back. She would do all sorts of stuff. Now, at the... Um, at the Clark House, I was also just mentioned this in passing. Y'all were also allowed to use profanity. Are you talking about B-U-T-T? They said B-U-T-T. Just in casual conversation with each other. <laughs> they would call each other B-U-T-T or something, right? Potty and bathroom humor was a big deal in our mm. house. You know it's not a big deal with Betty. I know. My mom does not like potty humor. No, she doesn't. And so I was totally deprived as a child of that. I had no idea that there were all this hilarious stuff that had to do with body functions. <laughs> we did not talk about it. <laughs> but um, I just said it. But so we, we didn't we didn't say that. We weren't even allowed to say get out of here. Yeah. So when I learned about the way you talked, <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I thought I'd made a big mistake. We weren't allowed to say I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, we were so not they did, allowed they to did say a, that. They did have some standards. Like you guys are not allowed to hate each other. Well, my brother and I, we But y'all did hate each other. Admitted. We were best friends and we fought a lot. That's how brother and sisterly love is. Mm-hmm. And we were allowed to call each other idiots. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh. So that was kind of like the, you know, don't say you hate each other, just call each other <laughs> an idiot. idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that was the compromise. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. That's really funny. No, that's it's uh if you if you are around the Clarks though, particularly if you're ever in a conversation with Melissa's brother, 
her dad, and her uncle Spider. It is, it's better than a movie. It's better than TV. It's better than stand-up comedy. I mean, I, I will have to say, standing in the kitchen listening to just to the banter between those three, I would have to say some of the like where I've cracked up the hardest in my life. Yeah, has been right there. They're funny, you know, especially when Spider t- told the whole story about his first col- colonoscopy. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that story. Yeah, uh, he's, he's told it more than once. Oh yeah, yeah. He calls it like the bare minimums or something. I don't, remember. <laughs> I don't remember what. I don't know what he was talking about, but it was like the funniest thing I've ever heard a human being say. And yeah. so, you know, you can when you hear the banter, you can sort of understand um, when you hear those guys talking. Then you, you realize I like, really oh, missed okay. out in life yeah, because yeah, Betty well, wouldn't let me talk about yeah, pooping. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Luke would not say B-U-T. I still feel bad when I say B-U-T-T. Well, we don't say that. Yeah. We say, we call it a bobo Bobo or a hiney. You know, we stick with regular. Yeah. You know. So it's it's so funny because we, Chad and I with the kids have always called a B-U-T-T a bobo. And um, then my mother got a cat, like a little kitten. <laughs> and she was trying to think of a name and she ended up naming it Bobo. <laughs> And all of our kids were going, oh, my gosh, why would you name your cat that? (laughs) (laughs) So funny. It's funny when you have kids and you, you, um, you know, you, you say, well, do you need to go potty? Do you need TT? And then, you know, you need to tinkle or whatever you say. And then whenever you're talking with other adults and probably usually other adults that have children, then that's what you'll say. Yeah. I've got to go tinkle. (laughs) <laughs> I I, say, I always say TT. I gotta go TT right now. Yeah. I'll see I'll see you guys in a minute. I'll, I'll come back to my office. So kids yeah. kids do change everything, but they do get easier. They well, I think some things get easier and a lot of things get harder. Well, I think we're That's just probably, in the in between right now. Yeah, we're not to the really hard teenagery stuff. We, yeah, yet. we don't have kids slamming doors. I can't wait to see what's gonna happen then. Oh boy! You know the ultimate move right there, right? Take the door you off take the, the door off the hinges. Yeah. yeah. Now show them. I'm not afraid to do that either. Oh, I Just know. Just get the old flathead screwdriver out. Take that door right off the hinges. I predict that we're going to enjoy some some epic battles between you and some teenagers in the That's house. what I'm talking about. Bring it on. <laughs> Bring it on. But it's funny. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day who has a little bitty baby boy. And that's her first. He's just kind of a toddler now. And. She was talking about, you know, which parent has more patience, you know, and and I told her it's funny how it works out that usually just about the time that one of you is completely running out of patience, yeah, the other one, the other kicks, one can take over. Got to kick in, yeah. <laughs> You're like, right, if she says if she calls one more time from her bed, I'm going to go crazy. I just did that the other night, didn't yeah. I? I was like, I cannot take it anymore. I'm yeah. done with it. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not dealing with it anymore. And then. Brother Chad, full of mercy and grace, goes in. What's the problem? I need you, Daddy. Oh, I'll be whatever you need. Yeah, and then you got up after she went to sleep. And when you got up, she woke up. And then you left for work. And I had an hour-long epic battle with her to make her go back to sleep. Because she obviously still needed rest. Mm, Yeah, and she finally went to bed. Oh, that was a rough one. Yeah. 
Well, she's really, Emerald is trying to give up her naps. Yeah. I mean, she's five years old. She's going to have to do it. Most people don't give up. I mean, most people aren't napping when they're five. I mean, there's two more months of it. The problem is she has an older brother and an older sister, and so she stays up too late. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, we got to get all that worked out. Especially before school starts, we better get it worked out. I know. But anyway, so it's been, been a great summer so far. We're right in the midst of our vacation Bible school at our church. So that's like a Southern Baptist tradition. Have we, have we talked about VBS already on this? Yeah, podcast? we talked about yeah. it last week. It's a, it's a, it's been all that we've thought it would be and more. Um, this year, I do not remember a VBS that I have ever taught where I was aware of so many special situations of kids mm-hmm. that I'm teaching. Yeah. You know, where I knew things that were going on in their lives you know mm-hmm. that are sad and hard and heartbreaking and it's just been i don't know it's been a really neat week i feel like god is is working and moving and doing things even you know i'm teaching third grade these guys are little but yeah. i don't know i've got the older group so we, we so we've got you you're saying you're going entering fourth i've got entering is that right yours are entering fourth mm-hmm I've got entering, oh, I've got entering sixth and seventh. So there is a grade in between us. Does Gunner have that one? Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, we're, my kids are probably 12 and 10, 11, 12, going to, going to sixth and going to seventh. And uh, this year I've had so many that have just sort of come for a day or a couple of days. Some haven't come back. That I, but I keep winding up with new ones, and I don't know their names. And it's it's twenty kids in our class. We have a pretty large class, but we're having we've been having a good time. Just you know, it seems like really furious trying to get our crafts done and everything. But Bible school is one of those deals where, you know, just runs in your Baptist blood, doesn't it? It does. I was trying to tell the kids. I was like, you know, I think I've done Bible school like every year of my life as a you know, like a helper or a student or, you no, know. No, that's not true. Not we, every year. Not, we I mean, didn't do um, VBS when we when you were in law school. But I did it one summer in law school. I helped out at First Lubbock one summer. Oh, you did? But when I was in, but that was one of the saddest things about being a lawyer is I could look out my window from my office and see down the street to the church. And I could tell when they were having Bible school, they still did a, they did a morning Bible school then. Yeah. And I would think, oh, I'm missing Bible school. And I would think, yeah, but you know. You're a lawyer, and that seems like it would be really important. Like you'd realize, oh yeah, practicing law, but it's not. When you look down and you see Bible school, you're like that's where I need to be. I and think that's a pretty good sign you were supposed yeah, to be a my, pastor. My call or a Southern Baptist pastor, anyway. Yeah, but uh, Bible school is a great week where we test the limits of all sorts of tape. Right? Yes, we do. Yeah. Tape gets pushed to the limit where it can't take it anymore, and you walk into your room after after the the. You know, you've put up an entire forest scene using painter's tape, masking tape, packing tape, two-sided sticky tape, whatever kind of tape there is. It is, it is on the wall duck right tape. now. Duct tape, y'all. Duct tape. And uh, the duct tape is uh, stretched to the limit, and you come into the room. You know, your class is going to start at 630. You walk into the room, and everything has fallen down. You know the best tape I've ever found for VBS? Remember that year that you bought that really expensive roll of tape that was for wires, microphone cords, or something? Oh, the gaffer's tape? 
that stuff works. The the black the giant black roll. Yes. Oh really? And I used that whole roll in my room, and you came in and you said, uh, "Do you know how much this tape costs a roll?" <laughs> but it works, man. Yeah, the gaffer's tape. It's like a two or three inch thick tape, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not thick tape. It's too, the wide. The wide, two or three inches wide. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff works. But yeah. this year, I was in a room where I could use a stapler. And that is glorious when huh. you can use a stapler. What room is that? What, are you, what room are you in? in the church? Your Sunday school room. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They've got, they've got uh, I guess the walls are not plaster. They're not plaster. Yeah, most of the walls in our church are plaster over shiplap or whatever that is. Plaster over, what do they call that stuff? It's not shiplap, I guess. But it's those little slats. Yeah, I don't know what chicken wire is. and plaster on top of it. Yeah. yeah, some old way that they constructed stuff. But yeah. Yeah, we have an old, old church building. But the kids love it. I mean, they love Bible school. They love going through the maze of our church, you know. Mm-hmm. And they, they just, tr- the kids are so, you know, I think, I want to say, in some respects, I'm sure we could talk about how kids have gotten worse over the years. But I don't know. It, I think these kids seem sweet to me. Like mm-hmm. more kid, like uh, you would think when you play the music and do the motions that there would be half the kids that would just sit down and fold their arms and have a terrible attitude. Yeah. I think 10 years ago, that's how they acted. But all these kids are up and having a great time. I know. So maybe there's hope. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just so different than everything that they do now that it's sort of an old school type thing. Yeah. And they just, they love it. Before we go to music, I say... When we go to music, do we sing and dance? And they all go, yeah. Because <laughs> I don't want anybody sitting down. I've got, I've got boys going, they're about to go to seventh grade and they're singing and dancing. I know. And the songs yeah. are really good. And this the songs year. are great. Yeah. Lifewood does a good job. Some of the, you were saying some of the, um, yeah, Tom Rayner, if you're listening, or any of your cohorts, some of the thing, some of the little activities didn't quite work out like they hadn't been properly tested and focus grouped yeah they just were kind of a lot of fails in the materials Mm -hmm. as far as things that were supposed to do this or that that didn't really do it yeah didn't quite work out yeah then uh yesterday's lesson was strange it was talking about prophecy like one of the main prophecies that they honed in on was the virgin birth and so here I am staring at all these 10 and 12 year old kids, 10 to 12 year old kids. And I'm, and I say, so what does that mean? What is a virgin? <laughs> like, oh my. You just get a bunch of blank stares. No, I, I just assumed that they all had at least some sort of rudimentary knowledge by that age of what the sexual act was. I wonder if that's true or not. Uh, I, I mean, if they say the first exposure to pornography is like 10 or 12. I mean, I bet those kids know a lot more than we think they do. Could be. But there are probably some kids in there that know nothing. Yeah. That nobody's ever told them anything. And they don't have any idea. They're still thinking. Some of them are are probably looking at pornography, and some still think there's a stork. Right? (laughs) But all of them are just like, can I see your fidget spinner? That's all they... (laughs) Fidget spinners, man. That's such a big thing. I'm trying to figure out the way to make fidget spinners really fast. I want to make them the. I want the fastest fidget spinners. Is that a big deal everywhere, or just in Texas? I think fidget spinners is a nationwide craze. Um. So, 
Adelaide bought her own fidget spinner right when school was out and Sawyer and Emerald have been wanting one. Well, then I went to Target and they had fidget spinners in the dollar bins at Target. $3. They were $3, which, Adelaide you know, paid $8 for hers. You can't order one on Amazon from China for that. Yeah. So I, I bought them one and now they're all racing their fidget spinners. Yeah, I souped them up. I think I've got Adelaide's at least as fast as Emerald's. What, it, what I think the key is is the weights that are in the arms of them. Yeah. And so I've got Adelaide's and Emeralds within, you know, seconds of each other as far as how long they'll spin if you just let them go. Um, and I, but They're so nerdy. It's a fidget Yeah, it's spinners. a very nerdy thing. But and tonight neat. at VBS, you know, all these kids were walking around, you know, just with those <laughs> yeah, fidget spinners fidgeting. in their hands. Yeah. But anyway, so if you're wondering, the I just, I don't know how you're supposed to handle that as a teacher. I, I tried to handle it sensitively. But I just looked at them and I said, well, you know, I'm sure you all know that, you know, normally when a baby's born, it takes a man and a woman to make a baby. And uh, Jesus was made with, there was no man involved. It was a, his, his mother was a virgin. And I thought, they're going to snicker. They're going to they're gonna ask a question. And they all just looked at me very, like they just nodded their head. And I said, okay, now where... Where was this predicted? And so they went to the scripture and they wrote that down and then they wrote where it's fulfilled in the New Testament. So I don't know. They just kind of, I think if you, if you set the tone of expecting a lot out of them, they'll, they'll rise to the occasion, even if they're just 10 to 12 year olds, you know, of being mature enough. Because in my, in my Bible school class, we play with fire and I'm not just talking, I'm not just talking about advanced subject material. (laughs) I'm talking about. I'm talking about we actually go out into the church courtyard with thousands of matches and we burn them. And we make this matchstick cross. You can look it up on the internet. We make this really cool craft. But it does take about 200 matches per kid. Are y'all going to finish that? Yeah. Well, I mean, most most of them are most of the way done. Yeah. So we'll finish it tomorrow. That's good. But we, were, we ran out of matches. We truly ran. I'm going to have to go buy more matches. We don't have enough. And I'm going to have to burn them tomorrow before Bible school starts because we don't have time to burn them. Yeah. So one night we'd just go out there and just burn a thousand or two matches, but we just don't have enough to get, get through the project. So Jim, one of my helpers, one of my teachers came to me and said, do I need to get out there and burn some matches? I said, yeah, we're short on matches. And, he, and so th- I was looking around for someone that could help him burn the matches. So I walked over to Lonnie Wales. And he was just sitting there, and I said, are you teaching? And he said, oh, I'm kind of helping somebody, helping Gunner maybe. And I said, do you think for a little while you could go out and burn some matches with Jim? <laughs> he had no idea what we were doing. <laughs> he said, burn what? And I said, can you go out to the courtyard and burn matches with Jim? I need about 1,000 matches burnt. He was like, what are you talking about? I was like, Jim will explain it. It was during the movie, you know. Yeah. I was trying to be quiet. He was like, that's the craziest thing. He didn't expect somebody to walk, walk up to him. Hey, can you go burn some matches? That's like, but that would be the best thing ever. Someone say, "Hey, I need about a thousand matches burned." Who doesn't love burning matches? It's really therapeutic. I don't it's know smelly. if that would be my favorite job. Yeah, but it's fun. It's just hot out there. Yeah. So, but anyway, we've had a blast. So, did you notice? So yesterday they had moon pies for a snack. No. Well, anyway, they did. It goes with the theme. And. The kids were so weird about moon pies. I mean, all it is is graham crackers, marshmallows, and chocolate. They didn't like it? 
They were just all totally bewildered by moon pies. It they'd was never so had, weird. They'd never they'd had, never a, had they'd one. They'd never had a moon pie. And they were all just kind of, they bit into it, and then they were going, what is this? <laughs> Did you explain it to them? It's like a s'more sort I mean, of? it's just, it's... It's like a chocolate-covered s'more. That's pretty basic, s'more. right? Isn't that what it would be, basically? Yeah. It's like a s'more it's, with it's, the chocolate on the outside. It's a bunch of layers, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah, true. But um, they were just not sure what to think about the moon I've pies. always liked moon pies. I like all flavors of moon. They're really messy to eat in your car, but that's the only knock I can think of for a moon pie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did the guy that came into the church that time want me to buy him a moon pie? He wanted a moon pie and a cream soda. And a cream soda. <laughs> yeah, it was a benevolence case. Came into the church in Nashville. I was young. I didn't even know our church did benevolence. I was clueless, and uh. This guy walks in and says, I want a drink. And I said, well, there's a water fountain right there. <laughs> he said, I was thinking you can walk over to Circle K with me and get me a moon pie and a cream soda. And I said, what? You know, get that water right there. I'm not going to do that for you. You know, so that was one of my first uh, times, you know, trying to help the needy. Hey, when you want to. Moon pie and a cream soda? You want one. Yeah. You just to find some stupid <laughs> 25-year-old youth minister to go get you one. I wasn't even that old. I was probably 22, 23. I was young. I didn't know people just came in and asked for outrageous things in the church office. It happens. It happens every day. <laughs> <laughs> You're just like, there's, there's someone comes in and it's like, hey, I need $40 worth of food at the grocery store. Okay, uh, you know, we talk about whether we should do that or not, but just r- complete strangers walk into the church. that You don't know them at all. And yeah. they just think, hey, there's a church, they'll give me some stuff, you know? And they want you to pay their cable bill. Uh, we we do not do that, but people have <laughs> asked us to pay their cable bill before. We do, you know, but so, but, but basically the way we're paying a cable bill is that someone comes in because they paid their cable and they figured we'd pay their electric. <laughs> right. So we kind of roundabout way we're paying all of it, but uh, we, we're trying to do a good job at our church of uh, being more, uh, better stewards and more conscientious about who we help. And, and we, the, the committee has really done a great job of it. Um, Y'all are doing a good job. Yeah, but it is, it is amazing to me. I just want to, told the church secretary today i said you know it would be if if i wanted to just have someone give me stuff for free uh you know i it would it's so much easier if you know the people so it would be so much easier if you decide hey you know i'm i'm not gonna work anywhere i'm just gonna kind of see if i can get people to pay for my hotel room for you know several weeks uh and see if I can get some drugs, you know. That's if that's kind of the life you're living, where you just sort of bum food, cigarettes, you know, eat as much from all sips as you possibly can, um, you know, burritos and chimichangas and stuff like that. You're living off sunflower seeds and methamphetamines. If you were just going to go to the church and ask, it would be so much easier if you just would go to the church, just show up for the service every now and then, because it makes you feel pretty used when they just come in and say, "We need some food." And uh, you're the only people that'll give it to us, and and you do. You feel like, well, I guess we need to help them, you know. <laughs> but part of you is saying, you know, even though this person's hungry, they're not doing anything by God's design. They're not doing anything the right way. Yeah. 
And so, you're, you know, there's part where you're balancing mercy and then there's part where you're balancing, okay, we're not just going to give these people handouts. Uh, and finding that balance between, yeah, no one deserves help and, you know, sometimes when you help people, you hurt them. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sort of joking about, I'm saying this lightly, but it's really something we've given a lot of consideration to and have a lot of policies and the way we deal with this. But it never it never ceases to amaze you. Um I would almost call it like the nerve that some people have, you know, they just kind of yeah. think you're an idiot because you're a Christian. You'll have to give, you'll have to help. And then if you don't help them, you know, they'll say, well, this is a terrible church. You know, like, how do you know you don't even come here? <laughs> you're judging that just based on the fact that we don't want to give you a food voucher. You know, yes, you're not much of a pastor. And I'm like, I, I know that. <laughs> that was, that was one. Remember, do you remember the story of the lady who called me? I'm, I've probably told this on the podcast before. The lady who called up to the church, I was sitting there with John, uh, was a youth minister at our last church, and I thought, you know, I'll put this on speakerphone, and he'll see how to do how I do a benevolence case. <laughs> I was going to teach him a thing or two about, about benevolence. The lady calls up. She says, yeah, um, I, I, I was going to see if you guys could help me pay for uh, my brother's uh, ashes, cremation. I said, what? You know, <laughs> it just threw me off. This doesn't know our church from Adam, doesn't have any relationship with anybody that goes to our church, and just got off, the, opened up the phone book and called up First Baptist Church Wake Village and said, can you give me, uh, I think it was $3,000 or some, something something like that to, to pay for the cremation. It's crazy. Yeah. And so I said, now what happens if you don't pay for the ashes? She says, well, if I don't pay for the ashes, we don't get the, we don't get them back. I said, so the worst thing that would happen, so your brother's already been cremated. The worst thing that's happened is you don't have his ashes, which are really just ground up bones. And so I said, that doesn't seem like that's that big of a deal. Now, you know, as I look back on it, I was maybe being a little cold. (laughs) You know, I've grown as a minister. Like, I've learned not to say things like that anymore. But, uh... You know, sometimes, sometimes it took me a while to get out of that, you know, attorney phase, maybe. And uh, I, so, you know, she says, well, you're the worst pastor I've ever talked to. You know, <laughs> I just thought, you know, well, you don't even know the half of it. You don't even know how, how bad I am. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely that's true. But still, it's outrageous that you just called up here and thought we would just pay for a cremation. I think I think maybe people are under a misunderstanding of how much money a church actually has. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, just if if we decide we can't pay for everybody's cremation. Although, have you read the article John Piper has put out that you know he's a proponent of not cremating and he thinks burial is a better Christian testimony. Have you read that article? Uh huh. Where he was saying that churches should help people bury their loved ones. Yeah. 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 How do you feel about that? What do you think? I I think that's great, but he was talking about church members, I think. Uh-huh, definitely. Yeah, not just someone who, someone, you know, that doesn't have an affiliation yeah. with the church. I could see how it would work with a church member in good standing or whatever if, if they came up and said, you know, if we can, we were thinking of doing a cremation and a memorial for another three or $4,000, we could do a, a burial and have a plot and you know, the idea there, you can look the article up, it's a John Piper's article, just saying, you know, the Christian, uh, the biblical 
Oh, what am I? What's the word I'm looking for? The biblical symbolism is like planting a seed. It's it's you know every time in the Bible a body's burned, there's a negative connotation to it. Right. Burning symbolizes judgment and all these different things. So he says, I would you know maybe it would be good if 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 somebody passed away and their family was having a hard time affording a, a Christian burial, if if you could just take up a collection for it, a special love offering yeah. to handle the, you know, you know, it'd be, it's not like people in your congregation are dying every day or even every month. I mean, so it's kind of, it's a, it's, I don't think it's unreasonable what he's proposing, but the whole church would have to buy into the idea that burial is the way to go mm-hmm. or it would seem, could seem to some people frivolous, I think. Yeah. But I don't think that it is. It, I, I will say this as a minister, it's always a lot easier to preach a burial where you or a funeral where the body is buried. It's harder when it's cremated because it, it does not fit within the biblical imagery, mm. you know? So just an idea. I don't think that people are sinning if they cremate remains. Um, but it is, you know, from a, from a symbolism standpoint, it sure is a lot easier when you can talk about it in terms of planting the seed, you know? Right. And I think that in most, most we understand a proper Christian burial, or however people would use those terms. It's a, it's about burying. So I feel like I'm talking a lot on this podcast. <laughs> is this what it's like to be married to me? What you're saying is interesting. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't. I, you know, I thought let's just do 20 minute podcasts, and here we've gone way over. I'm about talked out. I said, hey, let's do a really short podcast, real quick, and. He said, so like 20 minutes? And I said, you know, it's not going to be 20 minutes. Yeah. But yeah, let's shoot for that. So yes. we're at 33 minutes yeah, right now. Yeah, we should stop here. Yeah, we're going to cut this one a little bit short because it's maybe, BBS but, week, y'all, and maybe, we're tired. Maybe people want to hear from you, though. I mean, if you, what's going on? I mean, you, you were featured on Chally's today? Yeah. That so. was, that's always awesome whenever that happens. Tim Chally's really encourages me a lot. And that was which, which blog? It was a post called um, The Things You Learn When You're a Mother. Oh, yeah, yeah. And the post was just kind of about... Yeah, um, letting go and things. See, like that feels like you're rushing me through what I'm trying to say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, letting go and things. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 moving on. Why don't you bring this topic <laughs> up? It's a snooze fest. I mean, at least I'm saying interesting things. <laughs> no, go ahead, go ahead. So it's letting go... Well, it's just about how you have to let your kids go out into the world, and it's hard. You know, I'm at a phase now where, you know, our oldest is branching out a little bit, and she's going to to things and <laughs> that are all like school functions. Though I mean, it's, or, I know, well, but it's still class. hard. Yeah, it's still yeah, hard yeah. on a mother. It really yeah. is to watch her walk into a situation that's somewhat unknown to her and to us you know it's stressful for a mother it's true but anyway it's kind of what the post was about but that is one wonderful thing about living in a small town i mean it all seems really manageable it's so good yeah yeah. oh my goodness i mean small city living i know people uh, i would be interested to know if there's any rural rural folks listening but i mean that don't live in Olney. But this is a, it's a wonderful way, it's a wonderful way to experience community, you know, and I know there's also, as small as relative, um, you could say a town with 20,000 is small, but we live in a real small town, mm-hmm. uh, 
3,500 people, 3,300 people. It's so amazing to have your kids' teachers' telephone numbers. Yeah. Where you can actually text your kids' teacher during the school day Mm -hmm. and ask about them or ask a question. It's just, there's just nothing like it, I'm telling you. I know. It's the greatest. Yeah. And I wasn't raised in a town like this. I was raised in a much larger place. But once I lived in a small town, you know, the thing I, the, the, the thing I point to, as I say, what I missed about small town living when we left Eastland and went to Texarkana was I missed being able to go into the pharmacy and them just grab your prescription without asking you your name. Yeah. There's something nice about that. You know, they just, the thing, it's things like that where you feel like you're known and there's something in the human spirit or whatever, whatever it is that really desires to be known. And so I think when when you find a place where you're known and even you're accepted warts and all because you're not going anywhere and no one else knew's coming in, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, yeah, there's so-and-so. Yeah, he's crazy, but boy, we all like him. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's because what they probably I think in small me. towns what you see is that, I mean, people do stupid things and make terrible mistakes and, you know, people – have issues with each other and they have arguments or whatever but then after it's over then everybody just keeps living together you know and keeps going to all the same functions together and you know it's just it's just awesome but what you just said is actually you know I wrote that a long time ago your subconscious picked up this thing that I wrote or maybe I talked about it before with you and you stole it from me no because you don't understand small town life you didn't back then not back in the day and I wrote this story called my glorious teenage Uh, summer of promise pageantry and pork (laughs) (laughs) and it was where where is that now uh, it's it's, you can't read I've got it in my back pocket Mm -hmm. um because I want to do something with it someday but um, it was about a sum- the summer that I ran for the queen of my small town when I was in high school. But one of the, the peanut things, queen or what would, what no, would you it was just Miss Gorman. Gorman. Okay, Miss Gorman. Um, but one of the lines in that story is that I had learned at at sixteen how to love a place simply because you know it and, and it, it knows, knows you. you. Yeah, see, you're brilliant. But, but it's I, true. I want to say we arrived at that independently. <laughs> but it really is true. Small town yeah. living is just, that's where it's at, y'all. Yeah. But it's hard to live in a, it's hard to find a way to live in a small town, though. You know, there's just not that many jobs. Career-wise. Yeah, yeah. career-wise. I mean, it, it is difficult. Uh, it's, you know, there, are, I think that there, there are people who grew up in Olney right now who want to come back here. They're just waiting for the right opportunity. That have gone off and they're living in that terrible mess of the Metroplex. Mm-hmm. And if and if they're Baptist, I want them to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if they tithe. <laughs> <laughs> no. But anyway, all right, well, it's been a good podcast. I want to congratulate you for being featured on Tim Challey's uh, blog, which is one of the most popular Christian blogs in the blogosphere and, and the whole Internet. And uh, I'm always extremely proud when, you know, I meet people that know your blog, like the guys in Ecuador that said, your wife is mom has a blog. (laughs) I was like, my wife is mom has a blog, dudes. (laughs) 
<laughs> I'm kind of, uh, you know, a big deal. <laughs> that was cool. Yeah. Chad went to Ecuador and met some missionaries there. and mm-hmm. They read Chally's, and so they had read some of my stuff, so it's pretty cool. Yeah. And those guys need support in lots of different ways, uh, especially monetary support. Um, if you're interested in, if they were to be interested in maybe looking into what those guys are doing down there and supporting them, how could they get a hold of us? Just through the contact page on your website? Yes, um, there's a contact page, and you can just shoot me an email, yeah. and we can send you information about that. Get you some information on those guys. You can look them up. There's Reaching and Teaching International. They're doing mission work in Cuenca, Ecuador. You can go down there on a short-term trip, and they... I think they do some meaningful mission work, and even for short-term mission missionaries that want to go down there. Uh, uh, I've got a lot of opinions on that, which we don't have time for on this podcast, but uh, some guys down there doing some really good work in Cuenca, Ecuador, and uh, Cuenca, I think that's the way they say it. So you might want to uh, look into that, and if you're interested in helping them out with $100, $200 a month, something like that, just monthly support, maybe your church, uh, is it okay if I plug them on that? I was just like, this brought that to my mind. I was thinking, yeah, you know, maybe uh, this would be a good platform to to let you know what they're doing and uh, they're training pastors. So they're missionaries from here that are training indigenous pastors in Ecuador. So if you multiply the pastors down there, you're going to multiply the churches. So they mainly teach leaders, and then those leaders are going out and pastoring the churches. So they're doing a good work, reaching and teaching international. Dr. David Sills at Southern Seminary heads this organization up. So look those guys up, and uh, if you're interested, we can get you in contact with them. And speaking of email, I'm way behind on emails at the moment. Mm-hmm. So if you have emailed me and I haven't responded, I will. I really will. And I'll just throw this out there. I don't get very many emails. So uh, if you feel like talking, you know, emailing me questions, wisdom, <laughs> Just want to know what it's like to be married to mom has a blog, <laughs> you know. It's just a dream. Yeah, it's a dream I can't wake up from. <laughs> <laughs> but it's wonderful. I love it. So anyway, it's been a good podcast. Uh, Melissa, are you good to sign off? I'm good to sign off. Okay. All right. Well, that's kind of what's going on at the Edgington world. I know you were dying to see what was happening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. You were dying to see what was happening. We'll help pay for your funeral. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. Bye.